Letter forty of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Sir Alexander Duff Gordon, Luxor, April fourteenth, eighteen sixty-four. Dearest Alec, I have but this moment received your letter of the eighteenth March, which went after Janet, who was hunting at Tel El Kebir. We have had a tremendous Kamsin wind, and now strong north wind, quite fresh and cool. The thermometer was ninety-two degrees during the Kamsin, but it did me no harm. Luckily I am very well, for I am worked hard, as a strange epidemic has broken out, and I am the Hakima, doctress, of Luxor. The Hakim Pasha from Cairo came up and frightened the people, telling them it was catching, and Yusuf forgot his religion so far as to beg me not to be all day in the people's huts. But Omar and I despised the danger, I feeling sure it was not infectious, and Omar saying, Min Allah. The people get stoppage of the bowels, and die in eight days unless they are physicked. All who have sent for me in time have recovered. Alhamdulillah, that I can help the poor souls. It is harvest, and the hard work, and the spell of intense heat, and the green corn, beans, etc., which they eat, brings on the sickness. Then the cops are fasting from all animal food, and full of green beans and salad, and green corn. Mustafa tried to persuade me not to give physic, for fear those who died should pass for being poisoned, but Omar and I are sure it is only to excuse his own selfishness. Omar is an excellent assistant. The bishop tried to make money by hinting that if I forbade my patients to fast, I might pay for their indulgence. One poor, peevish little man refused the chicken broth, and told me that we Europeans had our heaven in this world. Omar let out Kelb, dog, but I stopped him and said, O oh, my brother, God has made the Christians of England unlike those of Egypt, and surely will condemn neither of us on that account. Mayest thou find a better heaven hereafter than I now enjoy here. Omar threw his arms round me and said, O oh, thou good one, Surely our Lord will reward thee for acting thus with the meekness of a Muslima, and kissing the hand of him who strikes thy face. See how each religion claims humility? Suleiman was not pleased at his fellow Christian's display of charity. It does seem strange that the cops of the lower class will not give us the blessing, or thank God for our health like the Muslimin. Most of my patients are Christians, and some are very nice people indeed. The people here have named me Siti, Lady, Nur Allah Nur. A poor woman whose only child, a young man, I was happy enough to cure when dreadfully ill, kissed my feet and asked by what name to pray for me. I told her my name meant Nur, Light Lux, but as that was one of the names of God I could not use it. Thy name is Nur Allah Nur, said a man who was in the room. That means something like, God is upon thy mind, or Light from the Light, and Nur Allah Nur it remains, a combination of one of the names of God is quite proper, like Abdallah, Abdurrahman, etc. I begged some medicines from a Countess Braniski, who went down the other day. When all is gone, I don't know what I shall do. I am going to try to make castor oil, I don't know how, but I shall try, and Omar fancies he can manage it. The cattle disease has also broken out desperately up in Esna, and we see the dead beasts float down all day. Of course we shall soon have it here. Sunday, April 17th. The epidemic seems to be over, but there is still a great deal of gastric fever, etc., about. The Hakim from Kenna has just been here, such a pleasing, clever young man, 
speaking Italian perfectly, and French extremely well. He is the son of some fella of Lower Egypt, sent to study at Pisa, and has not lost the Arab gentility and elegance by a Frangi education. We fraternized greatly, and the young Hakim was delighted at my love for his people, and my high opinion of their intelligence. He has gone now to inspect the sick, and is to see me again and give me directions. He was very unhappy that he could not supply me with medicines. None are to be bought above Cairo, except from the hospital doctors, who sell the medicines of the government, as the Italian at Siut did. But Ali Effendi is too honest for that. The old bishop paid me a visit of three and a half hours yesterday, and pour me tirer une carotte he sent me a loaf of sugar, so I must send a present for the church to be consumed in Rocky. The old party was not very sober, and asked for wine. I coolly told him it was haram, forbidden to us to drink during the day, only with our dinner. I will never give the Christians drink here, and now they have left off pressing me to drink spirits at their houses. The bishop offered to alter the hour of prayer for me, and to let me into the Hekil, where women must not go, on Good Friday, which will be eighteen days hence. All of which I refused, and said I would go on the roof of the church and look down through the windows with the other harimat. Omar kissed the bishop's hand, and I said, What, do you kiss his hand like a copt? Oh, yes, he is an old man, and a servant of my God, but dreadful a dirty, added Omar, and it was too true. His presence diffused a fearful monastic odor of sanctity. A bishop must be a monk, as priests are married. Monday. Today Ali Effendi el-Hakim came to tell me how he had been to try to see my patients and failed. All the families declared they were all well, and would not let him in. Such is the deep distrust of everything to do with the government. They all waited till he was gone away, and then came again to see me with their ailments. I scolded, and they all said, Wala, Yasid, Ya Emira, that is the Hakim Pasha, and he would send us off to hospital at Kenna, and then they would poison us. By thy eyes do not be angry with us, or leave off from having compassion on us on this account. I said, Ali Effendi is an Arab and a Muslim and an emir, gentleman, and he gave me good advice, and would have given more, etc. No use at all. He is the government doctor, and they had rather die, and will swallow anything from El Siti nor Alanor. Here is a pretty state of things. I gave Sheikh Yusuf four pounds for three months' daily lessons last night, and had quite a contest to force it upon him. It is not for money, old lady, and he colored crimson. He had been about with Ali Effendi, but could not get the people to see him. The cops, I find, have a religious prejudice against him, and indeed against all heretics. They consider themselves and the Abyssinians as the only true believers. If they acknowledge us as brethren, it is for money. I speak only of the low class and of the priests. Of course the educated merchants are very different. I had a priest and two deacons, and the mother of one, here to-day for physic for the woman. She was very pretty and pleasing, miserably reduced and weak from the long fast. I told her she must eat meat and drink a little wine and take cold baths, and gave her quinine. She will take the wine and the quinine, but neither eat nor wash. The bishop tells them they will die if they break the fast, and half the Christians are ill from it. One of the priests spoke a little English. He fabricates false antiques very cleverly, and is tolerably sharp. But, oh, mon Dieu, it is enough to make one turn Muslim to compare these greasy rogues with such high-minded, charitable sharifa, 
noblemen, as Abd al-Waris and Sheikh Yusuf. A sweet little copt boy who is very ill will be killed by the stupid bigotry about the fast. My friend Suleiman is much put out, and backs my exhortations to the sick to break it. He is a capital fellow, and very intelligent, and he and Omar are like brothers. It is the priests who do all they can to keep alive religious prejudice. Alhamdulillah, they are only partially successful. Mohammed has just heard that seventy-five head of cattle are dead at Al-Montana. Here only a few have died as yet, and Ali Effendi thinks the disease less virulent than in Lower Egypt. I hope he is right, but dead beasts float down the river all day long. To turn to something more amusing, but please don't tell it, such a joke against my gray hairs. I have had a proposal, or at least an attempt at one. A very handsome Sheikh el-Arab, Bedawi, was here for a bit, and asked Omar whether I were a widow or divorced, as in either case he would send a Delela, marriage brokeress, to me. Omar told him that I would never do. I had a husband in England. Besides, I was not young, had a married daughter, my hair was gray, etc. The sheikh swore he didn't care, I could dye my hair and get a divorce, that I was not like stupid modern women, but an ancient Arab emirah, and worthy of Antar, or Abu Zaid, a woman for whom men killed each other or themselves, and he would pay all he could afford as my dowry. Omar came in in fits of laughter at the idea, and the difficulty he had in stopping the Delela's visit. He told the sheikh I should certainly beat her, I should be so offended. The disregard of differences of age here on marriage is very strange. My adorer was not more than thirty, I am sure. Don't tell people, my dear Alec, it is so very absurd. I should be ashamed before the people. Saturday, April 23rd. Alhamdulillah, the sickness is going off. I have just heard Suleiman's report as follows. Hassan Abu Ahmed kisses the emir's feet, and the bullets have cleaned his stomach six times, and he has said the fatah for the lady. The two little girls who had diarrhoea are well. The Christian dyer has vomited his powder and wants another. The mother of the Christian cook who married the priest's sister has got dysentery. The harem of Mustafa Abu Abayed has two children with bad eyes. The bishop had a quarrel, and scolded and fell down, and cannot speak or move, I must go to him. The young deacon's jaundice is better. The slave-girl of Kershid Aga is sick, and Kershid is sitting at her head in tears. The women say I must go to her, too. Kershid is a fine young Turk, and very good to his harimat. That is all. Suleiman has got nothing on earth to do, and brings me a daily report. He likes the gossip and the importance. The rais of a cargo-boat brought me up your La Fontaine, and some papers and books from Hekekian Bay. Sheikh Yusuf is going down to Cairo, to try to get back some of the lands which Muhammad Ali took away from the mosques and the ulema without compensation. He asked me whether Ross would speak for him to Effendina. What are the Muslim men coming to? As soon as I can read enough, he offers to read in the Koran with me. A most unusual proceeding— as the noble Koran is not generally put into the hands of heretics. But my charity to the people in sickness is looked upon by Abd el-Waris, the imam, and by Yusuf, as a proof that I have received direction, and I am one of those Christians of whom Sayyidna Muhammad, upon whose name be peace, has said that they have no pride, that they rival each other in good works, and that God will increase their reward. There is no arrière pensée of conversation that they think hopeless, but charity covers all sins with Muslimen. 
Next Friday is the Jima el Kebir, Good Friday, with the cops, and the prayers are in the daytime, so I shall go to the church. Next moon is the great Biram, el Eid el Kebir, the great festival, with the Muslimen, the commemoration of the sacrifice of Isaac or Ishmael, commentators are uncertain which, and Omar will kill a sheep for the poor for the benefit of his baby, according to custom. I have at length compassed the destruction of mine enemy, though he has not written a book. A fanatical Christian dog, quadruped, belonging to the Coptic family who live on the opposite side of the yard, hated me with such virulent intensity that, not content with barking at me all day, he howled at me all night, even after I had put out the lantern and he could not see me in bed. Sentence of death has been recorded against him, as he could not be beaten into toleration. Mikael, his master's son, has come down from El Montana, where he is vaquil to Monsieur Mounier. He gives a fearful account of the sickness there among men and cattle, eight and ten deaths a day. Here we have had only four a day, at the worst, in a population of, I guess, some two thousand. The Mouniers have put themselves in quarantine, and allow no one to approach their house, as Mustafa wanted me to do. One hundred and fifty head of cattle have died at El Montana. Here only a few calves are dead, but as yet no full-grown beasts, and the people are healthy again. I really think I did some service by not showing any fear, and Omar behaved manfully. By the by, will you find out whether a passoporto, as they call it, a paper granting British protection, can be granted in England? It is the object of Omar's highest ambition to belong as much as possible to the English, and feel safe from being forced to serve a Turk. If it can be done by any coaxing and jobbling, pray do it, for Omar deserves any service I can render him in return for all his devotion and fidelity. Some one tried to put it into his head that it was haram to be too fond of us heretics and be faithful, but he consulted Sheikh Yusuf, who promised him a reward hereafter for good conduct to me, and who told me of it as a good joke, adding that he was Raghil Amin, the highest praise for fidelity, the sobriquet of the Prophet. Do not be surprised at my lack of conscience in desiring to benefit my own follower in Kalkonk Modo. Justice is not of Eastern growth, and Europeo is your only wear, and here it is only base not to stick by one's friends. Omar kisses the hands of the Sidi El Kebir, the great master, and desires his best salam to the little master and the little lady whose servant he is. He asks if I, too, do not kiss Eskender Bey's hand in my letter, as I ought to do as his harem, or whether I make myself big before my master, like some French ladies he has seen. I tell him I will do so if Eskender Bey will get him his warak, paper, whereupon he picks up the hem of my gown and kisses that, and I civilly expostulate on such condescension to a woman. Yusuf is quite puzzled about European women, and a little shocked at the want of respect to their husbands they display. I told him that the outward respect shown to us by our men was our veil, and explained how superficial the difference was. He fancied that the law gave us the upper hand. Omar reports yesterday's sermon on toleration, it appears. Yusuf took the text of Thou shalt love thy brother as thyself, and never act towards him, but as thou wouldst, he would act towards thee. I forget chapter and verse, but it seems he took the bull by the horns, and declared all men to be brothers, not Muslim men only, and desired his congregation to look at the good deeds of others, and not at their erroneous faith, for God is all-knowing, i.e., he only knows the heart, 
and if they saw aught amiss to remember that the best man need say, Astaghfir Allah, I beg pardon of God seven times a day. I wish the English could know how unpleasant and mischievous their manner of talking to their servants about religion is. Omar confided to me how bad it felt to be questioned, and then to see the Englishman laugh or put up his lip and say nothing. I don't want to talk about his religion at all, but if he talks about mine he ought to speak of his own too. You, my lady, say, when I tell you things, that is the same with us, or that is different, or good, or not good in your mind, and that is the proper way, not to look like thinking all nonsense. ESNA, SATURDAY, APRIL 30TH On Thursday evening, as I was dreamily sitting on my divan, who should walk in but Arthur Taylor, on his way, all alone in a big dahabiyah, to Edfu? So I offered to go too, whereupon he said he would go to Aswan and see Philae as he had company, and we went off to Mustafa to make a bargain with his rais for it. Thus, then, here we are at Esna. I embarked on Wednesday evening, and we have been two days en route. Yesterday we had the thermometer at one hundred and ten. I was the only person awake all day in the boat. Omar, after cooking, lay panting at my feet on the deck. Omar went fairly to bed in the cabin. Ditto, Sally. All the crew slept on the deck. Omar cooked amphibiously, bathing between every meal. The silence of noon, with the white heat glowing on the river, which flowed like liquid tin, and the silent Nubian rough boats floating down without a ripple, was magnificent and really awful. Not a breath of wind as we lay under the lofty bank. The Nile is not quite so low, and I see a very different scene from last year. People think us crazy to go up to Aswan in May but I do enjoy it, and I really wanted to forget all the sickness and sorrow in which I have taken part. When I went to Mustafa's he said Sheikh Yusuf was ill, and I said, then I won't go. But Yusuf came in with a sick headache only. Mustafa repeated my words to him, and I never did see such a lovely expression in a human face as that with which Yusuf said, Ayah, sit. Mustafa laughed, and told him to thank me, and Yusuf turned to me and said in a low voice, my sister does not need thanks, save from God. Fancy a sharif, one of the ulema, calling a frangeya sister. His pretty little girl came in and played with me, and he offered her to me for Maurice. I cured Kershid's Abyssinian slave-girl. You would have laughed to see him obeying my directions, and wiping his eyes on his gold-embroidered sleeve. And then the Coptic priest came to me for his wife, who was ill. He was in a great quandary, because, if she died, he, as a priest, could never marry again, as he loudly lamented before her, but he was truly grieved, and I was very happy to leave her convalescent. Verily we are sorely visited. The dead cattle float down by thousands. Monsieur Meunier buried a thousand at El Montana alone, and lost forty men. I would not have left Luxor, but there were no new cases for four days before, and the worst had been over for full ten days. Two or three poor people brought me new bread and vegetables to the boat when they saw me going, and Yusuf came down and sat with us all evening, and looked quite sad. Omar asked him why, and he said it made him think how it would seem when Inshallah should be well, and should leave my place empty at Luxor, and go back with the blessing of God to my own place and to my own people. Whereupon Omar grew quite sentimental too, and nearly cried. I don't know how Arthur would have managed without us, for he had come with two Frenchmen who had proper servants, and who left the boat at Girga, and he has a wretched, little, dirty, idiotic Coptic tailor as a servant, who can't even sew on a button. 
It is becoming quite a calamity about servants here. Arthur tells me that men not fit to light Omar's pipe asked him ten pounds a month in Cairo and would not take less, and he gives his copt four pounds. I really feel as if I were cheating Omar to let him stay on for three pounds, but if I say anything he kisses my hand and tells me not to be cross. I have letters from Yusuf to people at Aswan. If I want anything I am to call on the Kadi. We have a very excellent boat and a good crew, and are very comfortable. When the Luxor folk heard the son of my uncle was come, they thought it must be my husband. I was diverted at Omar's propriety. He pointed out to Mustafa and Yusuf how he was to sleep in the cabin between Arthur's and mine, which was considered quite satisfactorily, apparently, and was looked upon as very proper of Omar to have arranged it so, as he had been sent to put the boat in order. Arthur has been all along the Suez Canal, and seen a great many curious things. The delta must be very unlike Upper Egypt, from all he tells me. The little troop of pilgrims for Mecca left Luxor about ten days ago. It was a pretty and touching sight. Three camels, five donkeys, and about thirty men and women, several with babies on their shoulders, all uttering the Zagarit, cry of joy. They were to walk to Kozer, eight days' journey with good camels, babies and all. It is the happiest day of their lives, they say, when they have scraped together money enough to make the hajj. This minute a poor man is weeping beside our boat over a pretty heifer decked with many hagubs, amulets, which have not availed her against the sickness. It is heart-rending to see the poor beasts and their unfortunate owners. Some dancing girls came to the boat just now for cigars, which Arthur had promised them, and to ask after their friend El Magrabia, the good dancer at Luxor, whom they said was very ill. Omar did not know at all about her, and the girls seemed very much distressed. They were both very pretty, one an Abyssinian. I must leave off to send this to the post. It will cost a fortune, but she won't grudge it. End of letter 40. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.